Welcome everybody to our special episode on human automation interaction here at Human Factors Elemental. Thanks for joining us today here at Human Factors Elemental. Over the next few episodes, we're going to be covering the role of human automation interaction in the healthcare environment. We're going to be discussing the topic with frontline staff and supervisors, such as individuals from pharmacy as well as laboratory services. We will explore how and where automation is being used, the impact on patient care and safety, as well as what happens when processes don't go as planned. Today I'm joined by... Bupinder Nidger, or uh, some people call me Bobby. He's a pharmacy automation supervisor at Hamburg River Hospital in Toronto, Ontario. He's going to help us understand the role of automation in an inpatient community hospital pharmacy. Hamburg River Hospital holds a total of 656 inpatient beds, and those are basically beds allocated to patients that require a stay over longer than 24 hours inside a hospital. Their medications are tailored to their needs, their medical condition, their age, their weight. You can rest assured no two orders are alike. So why don't we let Bupinder explain to us his role as the automation supervisor and we'll take it from there. So it's more of dealing with operational needs, more dealing with the technicians, the technical work, uh, making sure the automation and everything is flowing uh, well. Um, also to kind of um, deal with um, any um, uh, technical aspects or troubleshooting with technical aspects or um, dealing uh, with kind of um, any issues that the technicians would have as well. So and how does pharmacy play a role within patient care inside of a inpatient community hospital? <clears throat> well, we play a pretty uh, significant role um, being that we provide all of the medications or at least most of the medications to all the inpatient units. Um, and from it, from the point where the uh, patient arrives in the hospital to when they leave, we have to make sure that they're receiving the, the accurate med medications that the prescriber has prescribed. Okay. So it's our job to make sure that uh, falls through the whole system. Including the nursing side once the... Correct. Up to delivery? Uh, up to the delivery, in, in, including the nursing aspect, because what? we've developed a system where we have barcode technology, where the nurses are actually scanning uh, the patient's wristband and the medication package, confirming that they're actually receiving, the, that the patient's receiving the correct medication. <clears throat> cool. So it's basically closing the loop correct. when the order happens to exactly. when actually it's delivered to the patient. Exactly. And the pharmacy, how's the pharmacy divided, just to get a sense, because I fear you don't just have one automated system. You yes. Have a we have quite a bit of operation, um, uh, automation system, sorry. Mm -hmm. um, but in terms of the, the division, we have two roles. We have the clinical role, um, and then we have the operational needs. Um, the clinical role is important, so now... The, the pharmacists can actually be decentralized. They can be located on each of their units. They, they can attend to physicians. They can attend to nurses. They can attend to patients. So if there's any questions regarding medications, they're right there mm -hmm. um, and they can answer those. So what that means for us now the rest of the technical staff, they can focus on uh, the distribution aspect. They can dis uh, focus on the operational needs. So that's how it's divided in terms of that. Um, to go into more details of the distribution aspects, we kind of have um, a multiple model. Um, we have a hybrid system 
we have our ADUs, which mm -hmm. are our automated dispensing units, mm -hmm. which are uh, provided by Omniso. There's, uh, they're basically vending machines throughout the units where nurses, if they need a stat or urgent med, they'll pull it from there. Mm -hmm. Or if it's uh, an as-needed med, they'll pull it from there. And then the other 80% of the medications we supply from pharmacy, which we send a 24-hour supply on a daily basis to all the inpatient units. Per patient. Per patient, yeah. For, for so each uh, 650 plus patients would get their own specific 24-hour uh, su supply of meds. And those are the little packets, I think, that, that you get. Yeah, yeah. And essentially those packets I'm referred to are plastic pouches that include the one pill, and each pill is individually wrapped and barcoded, and all those packets are bound together by a plastic ring. Yeah, uh, yeah it's not only packages, it's also uh, other unit dose products such as unit dose liquids, mm -hmm. unit dose syringes, patches, puffers, those we provide as well. Does that include uh, intravenous medications or that's a separate... Uh... <coughs> it, it, um, so it does. Um, again, we have a hybrid model with that as well. We try to because we want to reduce the rate of sepsis. Sepsis is a life-threatening condition. That happens when an infection gets out of control and your body starts attacking its own tissues and organs. Of sepsis, mm -hmm. we try to stock all of our intravenous antibiotics on the unit mm -hmm. um, so they're readily available. So when a patient does need it, they get it immediately. So, so if we didn't have automation at, at Humber, yeah. uh, how would it look? So uh, historically speaking, at our legacy sites... Mm -hmm. Humber River Hospital used to be divided within three sites and they merged all sites into the current Wilson site uh, two years ago and that's what Bob is referring by uh, legacy sites. At our legacy sites, mm -hmm. uh, we didn't have a decentralized model. So what that meant was all the pharmacists were located physically in the pharmacy. Mm -hmm. So when you had a physician uh, contacting uh, the pharmacist for a clinical question, now they're running up to the unit uh, wasting kind of that lean principle where they're walking up and down stairs. Um, sometimes that face-to-face -face communication didn't occur. It's all over the telephone, right? Yeah. So in, in historically at our legacy sites, all the pharmacists were in the unit and most of their uh, clinical knowledge was being transferred by phone. <laughs> yeah. And what are the repercussions if errors occur within the pharmacy uh, domain. Yeah, um, so the repercussions of errors can be very significant um, to the point where it, it could be fatal to the patient. Um, it could have lifelong uh, repercussions. Um, there also there's legality in terms of that as well. Um, so in terms of making sure that the patient's getting the correct medication, uh, we need to make sure it's more than 100% accurate. <laughs> And the automation that we're using, what are what are the machines or systems that we're currently in place that we're using at the moment? Uh, so currently in place, uh, we have uh, a variety of uh, pieces of equipment. We have our Swiss Log Pill Pick, mm -hmm. uh, which houses 90% of our products. Uh, those you'll see are our unit dose uh, packages. Yep. Uh, we also have our box picker, which house our larger syringes, unit dose cups. Uh, then we have our control system manager, which is our CSM, which is provided by OmniCell. That's only used for a control substance. So there's more traceability in terms of in and out flow, yep. uh, perpetual counts, uh, perpetual counts being done at the unit. Um, we have our IntelliGuard system, which is our RFID technology, yep. uh, which we use for our uh, cart check system. 
And the cards above is referring to include medication trays. Uh, that these trays contain upwards of 20 and, th and more items, including vials, boxes, pills, and anything that anesthesiologists may need during a, a surgery case, for example. And we will be discussing this uh, piece of technology later on. Um, then we have a variety of various smaller pieces of equipment for automation to help us package syringes, unit dose cups, uh, to wrap our syringes with labels, uh, to uh, package other various hazardous materials. Uh, we also have a TPN compounder, which prepares TPNs uh, for uh, any specific patient that you would need. And TPN stands for Total Parental Nutrition. And when a patient cannot ingest food orally, or their digestive capacity is compromised, they would receive uh, nutrition directly into their blood system, also known as TPN. Um, so we kind of have a lot of toys to play with. <laughs> Sounds like it. Yeah. And what's how's the impact of all those toys on the like the pharmacy techs and the pharmacists? Like, yeah. uh, so um, in the beginning, uh, there was essentially a giant uh, lear learning curve um, to get used to this digital technology um, but once we got rolling with it of course um, in terms of um, um, safety yep. it's it's 100% right and and that's our goal yep. right um, but in terms of efficiency it's, uh, the, te the technology can provide efficiency as well uh, for instance the, the RFID technology uh, we, it would be a manual process of checking all the expired products checking the quantities in the kit now this piece of equipment does that for you. And it does it all at once. Once the tray is assembled, it goes into the equipment, it scans the entire tray, and it not only checks for uh, expiry dates and quantities, but checks for duplicates, items that are missing, as well as items that do not belong on the tray. And this task would have to be done uh, on an item-by-item -item basis by the pharmacy technician. In, like the RFID technology, basically we have the carts, the trays for the anesthetist, yes. where we fill up all the meds, yeah. and it checks contents and expiry dates. Yeah. How does the role of the operator change uh, from when I was assembling the, the tray to now I'm dealing with the machine? How does how did that change? Um, so um, th the benefit of uh, the operator is that now um, they're allowing the technology to assist them. Um, and it's, it's you're minimizing the repetitive chance of an error occurring. So for instance, we'd have the contents of the kit. Yep. We'd visually have to inspect each and every single vial, right? Yep. Now you have this technology in place that does that for you, right? Okay. So it's less stressful, um, it's more accurate, mm -hmm. uh, you're managing your inventory a lot better, you're utilizing your inventory a lot better. So it's just, uh, what I would kind of say, it's more almost of a relaxing uh, atmosphere or job to mm -hmm. kind of do now, um, compared to before, where it's like strenuous, where you have to make sure that uh, everything is not expired, and if that one expired product went up to the unit, now you're kind of in trouble. <laughs> and the RFID tags, are they coming from the medic, uh, the pharmacy, like the, the manufacturers, or are we putting the RFID tags ourselves? Um, so we are currently uh, affixing the RFID tags ourselves. Um, hopefully, moving towards the future, we will see uh, kind of the manufacturers going towards that route. Okay. Um, but currently, it's a, a process. Uh, that we manually do um, and that is a little bit cumbersome but in terms of um, 
where you're minimizing um, the chance of expired product going yep. out. Um, you're, you're maximizing the utilization of the product. Yep. Um, that's where the benefits are. Perfect. And also making sure that the the right meds are getting to the right channels exactly. as well. Exactly. So we're pushing a bit the, the, the potential of errors a bit upstream. Oh, yeah. Uh, by doing the manual RFID, but Correct. I guess we have processes around how do we check that we actually place the right RFID on the right uh, product? So we do have uh, electronic check mm-hmm. and electronic fill. Um, so one person will electronically encode the product. Yep. Um, they encode it by batch, so yep. it'll be by lot and expiry per one drug. So boxes basically. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and then another individual will verify that's the correct contents. Okay. So that that process has to be 100% in place yep. um, for this whole system to work. So we've, we've moved the double check that would have occurred on the tray yeah. on a vial by vial exactly. to like a box, a box. By, exactly. box by box. Which is more efficient. Yeah. 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 And how has it been the uptake of the pharmacy techs to all these new toys? Has it been like positive, negative? Has it changed over time? Yeah. Um, so as I was mentioning in the beginning, it was a little bit of a learning curve yep. because we went basically from no automation to having all of this automation. Yep. So there was this kind of sense of digital divide where there was a learning curve involved. Um, But once with practice, um, understanding, and then especially understanding the benefits, uh, it's been more uh, progressively better. So were people hesitant of using it? Or oh yeah, afraid, for sure. afraid for of using it. For or? sure, yeah. Um, afraid in the sense that if uh, the technology uh, wasn't reliable, if, yep. if it went down, um, then there was an issue. But again, with more practice, yep. uh, more understanding of the technology, um, the, the 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 more comfort level there was for the staff. And this uptake is key to a successful implementation of automation, building that right relationship between the humans and the automated systems. Bupinder has been explaining the individual factors that affect automation, and those are the specific history of events that lead to a specific level of trust. John Lee and Katrina C. on their paper, Trust in Automation, Designing for Appropriate Reliance, describe how this flow relationship can lead to misuse and disuse of automation. Misuse, and I'm quoting the paper here, refers to failures that occur when people inadvertently violate critical assumptions that rely on automation inappropriately, whereas disuse signifies failures that occur when people reject the capabilities of automation. Misuse basically means I'm trusting technology too much, I'm over-relying on it, and errors happen because of that blind trust I have on the system. Versus disuse means I'm not going to use the system, I'm not going to rely on the automation, and errors occur that could have been prevented by using the tool. John Lee and Katrina C. also touch upon the other factors that affect trust. I had just described the individual factors. Uh, there's also organizational factors, which are the interaction between peoples, and that can be influenced by, influenced by the reputation or, or gossip, as well as the cultural factors, which are basically social norms and expectations. So, how would you describe the trust level that our techs have? Yeah. That, has that how we, has that changed over time? Has that always been high? Um, yeah. So um, before, um, because it was a manual check, mm-hmm. uh, that there was always self self doubt. Okay. Um, now with the automation, there's almost almost a little bit of too much over dependency on the automation. And this is what Lee and C would describe as poor calibration between the person's trust in the automation and the automation's capabilities. Bubinder is describing over trust, where trust exceeds the system capabilities, in compared to distrust, where trust falls short of the automation's capabilities. Overtrust may lead to misuse and distrust may lead to not using the system. 
and Bupinder will be explaining later on an example of overtrust and how the system was misused. Yeah. Uh, so you're assuming that whatever you're scanning is correct, right? But for instance, if someone initially encoded it incorrectly, there's a chance yeah. of error, right? And errors that occur higher upstream affect more patients. But the chance is very small. It's small. Um, but if it does happen, it'd be at the source, but you just don't kind of realize it um, because you're so dependent, assuming that the automation is always correct. <laughs> Interesting. So yeah. it makes me feel a little bit nervous at the same time, but yeah. at the same time safer. It's, yeah. yeah, It's tricky. And you mentioned a few things, uh, downtime, basically, when the automation goes down. Yeah. Uh, how's the... What are the emotions running when the, when the machine goes down here? So knock on wood, uh, we actually um, kind of didn't have much downtime uh, that occurred. Mm -hmm. um, but we actually, in terms of our vendor, um, we have one individual who performs maintenance on both of the machines. Um, so his turnaround time is four hours. So we have a system in place where even if we were down for four hours, we could still provide medications uh, from other sources, yeah. for instance, or Omni cells, or we can manually pick them. Um, the other thing is we also have a contingency plan. We have a lot of other uh, uh, tabletops or um, automated uh, smaller pieces of equipment mm -hmm. that we could use utilize. Uh, to dispense the meds so we kind of do have a backup plan um, um, that being said we would basically if and we've kind of brainstormed yeah. even though it hasn't happened if the automation the two pieces of equipment were to go down yeah. then it would be back to our legacy site model yeah. or uh, our historical model where we're manually picking everything and then checking it so and the two systems you're talking about is the pill the pill pick and the box pill pick and the box pick yeah. and there's two important points to make here one of them is skill degradation as described by Lysine Bainbridge in her paper Ironies of Automation as operators don't perform the tasks as frequently as they used to because automation is taken care of, they'll lose the capacity and the ability to do those tasks And when the system fails or stops working and we need to now rely on those operators, they will be more prone to error. The second point I would like to make, as described by Onashke all on their paper, Human Performance Consequences of Stages and Levels of Automation, is the fact that the more we rely on automation, the higher the consequences will be when that automation fails. They have an analogy they use and they, base, and they call it the lumberjack effect as applied to trees in the forest. The taller they are, the farther they fall. How would you say this, the, the skill level of the staff has changed compared to the no automation versus automation has? Oh yeah, there, there's definitely a paradigm where it's shifted. Mm -hmm. um, now, um, the, the skill sets that are required are more uh, individuals who are potentially tech savvy, who are good with um, pieces of machinery, troubleshooting, troubleshooting software, troubleshooting uh, hardware. Um, while historically, it was more focused on analyzing small detail. Um, for instance, when a person would fill a product, they were, they were matching one label to another. Yep. And that's a manual visual pro process. And then again, of course, it can be human error. You'd yep. have a second individual uh, do the same thing, right? Um, but of course, even, even in that case, um, there can still be yep. the, the chance of error. But now it's more focused on how we maintain the equipment, how we utilize the equipment, uh, how we can extract data 
from the equipment because yeah. that's a valuable source now. Um, we can actually figure out trends in terms of our drug usage, trends in terms of our, our expired products, which has significantly de decreased because before we were manually ambiguously picking quantities. Now we actually have data to provide how much of a drug that we should use. Perfect. So yeah. you can actually forecast your usage. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it'll be interesting to correlate it with like when we see certain populations of patients coming in. Yeah. Like, should we start stocking up for it, yeah, in a it, week or two for now what to prepare for? and we can we can figure that out even in terms of seasons like if yeah. you have the flu season yeah. now we're um, uh, stockpiling up more of those uh, antibiotics or antivirals would you say the pharmacy skill of doing what I'm going to call pharmacy tasks yeah. has changed um, uh, it, it, it has improved in a way, in terms of the setup, mm -hmm. um, but in terms of uh, the simplicity, it has gotten a little bit uh, less uh, complex on a day-to-day operation. Yep. Um, for instance, where it was a manual, again, I'm going to uh, go back to the manual process where they're visually, that visual check, yeah. that's totally gone. But that did require a lot more attention to detail, yep. right? Compared to now, um, you're letting the technology do that part for you, so it, it has made a little bit... Uh, <laughs> Have we had any instances where uh, operators have uh, picked up an error, mm -hmm. uh, and how do we handle that? Like, um, yeah, so there there is the the chance of error in in the beginning. Okay. Um, one example uh, that I can bring is uh, we had a product by the manufacturer. Mm -hmm. um, it looked almost identical to another product that they provide. Uh, for in, for instance, it was a vaccine, but mm -hmm. this this other vaccine had one more ingredient included. Yep. The manufacturer did not provide a barcode, so we stuck on our own barcode. So yep. when we received this product, which almost looked identical, like to a look alike names, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the physical component of the product itself looked identical as well. Okay. So when we received the product, which was wrong, yep. we stuck our own barcode on. So Thank unfortunately. That got checked and it went up to the unit. So th that was kind of one of the downside. Um, so now we have to think of another process of uh, figuring out how to differentiate. So if at the source the manufacturer doesn't have a barcode on it, yep. there is still the possibility that we can accidentally put our wrong product on. And now you're looking into that uh, incident and trying to change the processes to yeah. make it better yeah cool so maybe scan the UPC of the box maybe have more diagrams of yep. specific product to indicate that they're uh, they're actually different even though they looked very similar, very similar. Yeah. yeah I, I think I yeah. know what you're talking about yeah. it's yeah. like a matter of one yeah. a, four, a three letter word and a four yeah. letter acronym exactly. and it's just like yeah. Yeah. and the and first it, three letters are the same and it's like yeah and surprisingly it wasn't captured by anyone it was it, it went checked by five individuals in the department and then at least like 10 to 15 nursing staff as well yeah because it so, was for an over a prolonged period of time as well it wasn't yeah, just something short yeah, so. yeah, yeah yeah but for that situation i don't think there was too much major ramifications so no i think the the active component that was the difference wasn't a big deal but yeah. it's it's <laughs> yeah. still it I, is still an error it's still an error yeah. and i think uh we're in the process of working through that as yeah, well yeah Exactly. What would you say is your biggest um, beef with automation? What's here? Um, 
I guess the biggest uh, kind of beef we would have is uh, sometimes we get over-dependent on it, yep. um, as I mentioned previously. Uh, some of the technical staff, they become so indulged in the day-to-day kind of repetitive scanning in and scanning out, they forget some of uh, kind of um, the issues that... Uh, uh, that might happen that they might not realize. For instance, um, another good example is, and of course this error was captured, uh, a pharmacist entered uh, 40 milligrams when it should have been four, so it, it shot out 10 tablets. And because people were so used to just picking up the tablets and putting it in the bin, they didn't realize yeah. Of course, when I went up to the new unit and the nurse saw, hey, no one's going to get 10 tablets of this one med, um, we figured out the error, right? What do you like the most about automation? Um, for me, the thing that I kind of like the most is uh, the, the capability of it. Um, right now, you just see, you know, uh, you're scanning in, scanning out, scanning in, scanning out. You, it just physically, you see that, but the data it collects, yep. the information you can get from the automation is worth more than anything, um, especially the fact that you can store that data. Um, one big benefit of our pill pick is, um, and we're one of the only institutions who have this, um, um, the pill pick can actually uh, figure out which lot and expiry a specific patient got. Oh. Um, so you have traceability to the patient. Uh, so for instance, seven years, eight years down the line, if there was a, a uh, a recall or of a specific batch we can actually trace and see which patients got mm. that see. and I think that's where uh, we're headed towards the future uh, it's not just what drug the patient got right mm. but what specific batch they got and thanks Bubinder for joining us and explaining what's going on behind the scenes around the automation systems that we have in place at Humber River Hospital this has given us a bit of an understanding on how automation is being used, and how it does affect uh, patient, patient care. I also want to take the opportunity and highlight the fact that Bupinder shared with us an instant of a lookalike error and how discussing these events can actually prevent them from happening again by having a transparent and open discussion. That concludes our first episode of our Human Automation Interaction Special Edition. Uh, see you next week uh, when we touch base with the laboratory services here at Humber River Hospital. Cheers. It can be fuera.